Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Mind Power Podcast. I am your host, Angel Clemente, and we are bringing you another edition here with another special guest with an amazing uh, success story here. Um, let me all introduce you to the one and only Carla Hodel. Carla, how are you doing today? I am good, Angel. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you so much for hopping on this call with us. Um, I'm so excited to have you here on the show. <clears throat> Um, so I want you to start off and just kind of give us a little bit of a uh, background about like what you do and, you know, where you're located at, all this, all this, basically stuff that, you know, the general stuff that we would need to know. Yeah. So basically talk about myself. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> that's my favorite thing to do. Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me. I know that it got a little hectic, but I'm so happy we made it work somehow. <laughs> Um, But my name is Carla. I am a mental performance coach for the Tampa Bay Rays. I am currently going into my third season now with the Rays. Um, Before that, I was actually getting my master's at Barry University in sports performance and exercise psychology. Um, I I actually accepted my job with the Rays before I even graduated from my master's. Yeah, so it was kind of like a crazy like last semester of my master's program because I'm like I already have a job but I have to finish and get my degree <laughs> so it's, it was fun for sure um and then I, my first season was actually crazy quarantine pandemic season where I kind of was in spring training for like a week and then we had to pack up all our bags and go home and you know work from home and right. be a mental performance coach from home so that was very memorable, very crazy. I have stories for days. Um, I just now ended my second season, which was great and amazing. And I loved every second of it. And yeah, that's what I got in a short synopsis. Huh. That's super, super cool. Especially, you know, you talk, you hear about the stress that students feel, you know, trying to find a job before, like even just after school. But um, I'm sure there was a bit of like a half relief, half like, uh, um, like stress knowing that you had the job, you know, before you even graduated. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. And I remember like, I think my advisor had told me my, from Barry, she was like, it's going to be really hard to get you to train in your assignments now, isn't it? And I'm going to be like, <laughs> honestly, I'm going to try my best, but I just want to be out on the baseball field. Right I bet now. That, that like that senioritis hit pretty hard. Then, oh, though. it hit hard. <laughs> oh, heck yes. Heck yes. So it was crazy. Cause I actually, um, spring training, like I didn't graduate till May, but mm-hmm. spring training starts in February oh. and I had gotten the job in January. Right. So I had to like, kind of juggle like going to night class then driving three hours up to Tampa to go to practice and then like sometimes I would have to it was just a mess and then the pandemic hit and then all of classes went online Mm -hmm. and that kind of helped me out because now I could you know just stay in Tampa in my hotel and do my classes through zoom or whatever we were using was was the organization pretty were they pretty like um accepting about you know helping you work with classes and everything like that yes yes they were so awesome um they knew they were hiring me before I even got my diploma Mm -hmm. um which I guess the thing about baseball is you can't like by May like the seasons already had started there's like you're already halfway through it at that point so they didn't want me to miss out on a whole season Mm -hmm. and so we kind of worked with one another Um, my professors worked with me we kind of all just agreed that this was the perfect opportunity for me and I would be 
stupid to pass right. it off to say no um so everybody I was so lucky to have everyone work with one another it was it was truly a blessing huh. so I want to talk a little bit about exactly what like uh being a mental performance coach is um you know you talk about strength and conditioning coaches you talk about you know like head coaches nutrition coaches like all these types of coaches but when you're looking at you know sports in general whether it's college or professional you don't really hear like mental performance coaching come into the conversation too much. Yeah. Um, if you want to kind of just give everyone a little bit of like information of what that kind of deals with. Yeah. And this is actually a, a conversation I have with a lot of my players because like new players that we just signed, for example, none of them have had a mental performance coach or a very small amount of numbers, number of them have. Um, but basically how I explain it to them is, just like now you have a strength and conditioning coach that's going to work on your muscles. Then you have an athletic trainer who's going to work on all your injuries, all of your recovery. You have a pitching coach that's going to work on all things pitching. Then you have a base running coach and a hitting coach. And a you basically have a coach for every piece of your body and every piece of the game. Now you also have a coach that's all things your mind, mm -hmm. all things your mindset, everything that's going on inside your head. Um, that's what I'm there for. So things like working under pressure, things like leaving stuff off the field, things like relaxing your body, relaxing your thoughts. Um, basically everything that starts in your brain, that's what I'm there for. And that's what I'm here to help train. Um, it's been like, I think a lot of athletes, I think especially professional athletes, they have always worked on their mind, but they didn't know that they were working on their mind. Like a lot right. of them do know how to quiet the silence in their head. A lot of them do certain things that helps them calm down before a big game or something, but they just never even really knew that that's what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And so it's a really cool moment for me to be able to like bridge that gap for them and, yeah. um, you know, just help them understand like their thoughts and that, that mind and body connection and how everything that happens in your head is going to affect everything that happens with your body. Right. Um, you know, like where the mind goes, the body flows. So, you know, just trying to help them navigate through that. Right. It's, it's a really fun journey. Oh, it sounds like it. What, mm -hmm. um, kind of talk to us a little bit like your day to day to day, like operations as like a, a mental performance coach. It's nuts. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. The thing about, and the thing what I, that I love about this field is that it's not a nine to five. It is not a five days a week type of job, but like, you will work seven days a week. Sometimes you will work crazy hours. Sometimes you will get to the field and just sit for three hours because it's raining outside. And right. there's just a, like a lot of moving pieces and a lot of flexibility that you have to have. Um, but in like the most normal, normal way, um, I guess I would just get to the field, connect with all our coaches, connect with all our players, say my hello, shake my hands, give high fives and so on. Um, we have breakfast. We all, you know, this is like my favorite time of the day, not only because I'm eating, but, um, but because we really get to like share with coaches, like what the plan is for today. Um, maybe there's a player who's going to try something new today. So maybe it's important for me to be out there while he's doing that, um, to kind of just offer my support and, you know, give my feedback and so on. And so we kind of just already like organically plan out the day and get on the same page with the coaching staff. From there, you know, go to the field and sometimes we'll be out there in the hot Florida heat for like six hours. Sometimes we'll be out there for two hours. You never really know where the day is going to take you. 
Um, you know, and so when we're on the field, you know, talk to players, like just observe them, see what they're doing, where I can support. Um, this is where a lot of like my organic conversations come up, right? So maybe like I know a player's mom is in town and I'm like, hey, how's how's your mom doing? What are you guys doing? What are, what how she how is it like having her come watch you? Is that right. making you nervous? Is your family coming into town? A bunch of like just random organic conversations. Um yeah. and then you know, sometimes you'll go out there to the outfield. I'll grab my glove. I'll shag. Sometimes we'll go and help the guy and whatever. You're just, you're yeah. just available at that point. <laughs> um, and then afterwards, you know, sometimes, or a lot of the times we'll do like group stuff. So I'll have like group sessions. Um, we'll have the guys play, do some type of activity on the field and then connect it to something mental. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, maybe sometimes we'll have them play a game and then I'll, we'll have a group discussion on how that can help them on the field. Um, after that de- that on-field portion is done, then all the sit-downs, one-on-ones happen. So after we all shower, we're done with, you know, all the physical activity, we can sit down and that's when I'll talk one-on-one with certain players that need that kind of attention. And then debrief, write it all down, mm-hmm. take my notes, do all that stuff, and then head home and do it all over again the next day. <laughs> so you, you're, but, pretty, you're pretty involved with not just like group, group work but also individual stuff as well right Mm -hmm. and I mean like you said um you know you talk to the athletes about you know stuff going on in their lives like it's really important to really get to know the players um for you to better be able to help them and be able to coach them through through whatever it is they're going through absolutely I think that's the key right like Mm -hmm. I mean you played sports I'm assuming yeah so you're not like as an athlete, like thinking back to when we were both athletes, like you're not just going to talk to somebody, somebody random and tell them, Hey, I'm feeling nervous right. or Hey, like I feel really distracted today or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't have that relationship with someone, you're not going to feel comfortable um, speaking to them about it. And so for me, like, I think anytime I work with either a new team, a new organization, a new player, whatever it is, like the first like third of the entire time with that team I spend a lot of time trying to get to know you trying to you know I don't I don't care about the baseball player um obviously eventually I do but I want to know the son in you the the father in you the friend in you like all the things that are happening off the field and I think that's like once that solid relationship and foundation is built that's when we can get into the nitty-gritty of the mental game and you know connect one one thing to another but I like in my role, like I also have to respect that players and coaches, they're not going to open up until they have a trust and a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess that's, that's really up to me. That's up to me to break that and, and build that and make sure that there's a very strong foundation. Um, so we can get to work and can get to the nitty gritty of what we need to get to. Yeah. It, it's a lot easier for an athlete to open up when they're seen as more than just an athlete. Like you said, you know, you see them as mm-hmm. as a father or as, you know, as exactly. a son to someone or as a friend or something like that. And it makes it a lot easier for them to really just open up and connect. Yeah. And that so I remember like one of my first days on the job, um, I actually they had taken me to the big league clubhouse, like mm-hmm. kind of just show me around. There's a couple of big leavers in there and. You know, just me like asking for like genuine advice. Like, hey, it's my first time in professional baseball. Like, what do you got for me? And every single one of them was like telling me, like, I guess the one sentence was take pride in knowing everybody's first name, Mm -hmm. you know, like 
addressing people by their first name, by their nickname, like, and remembering that, you know, like get to know the person because as, as people, as athletes, like we're just seen by the numbers that we put up and, and, you know, sometimes it could just feel like another transaction for us, but rarely ever like does someone want to sit down and talk about my bulldog, you know, like like, just little things like that, like that can take you a very long way. And so Mm -hmm. I obviously try to take that like to the field, but as well, like off the field, like I think as humans, we should all have that one quality and genuinely take interest in, in one another. Right. Um, so let's see. Um, we mentioned earlier that, you know, mental performance or just like mental health, I guess, in, in sports just really isn't uh, a really common subject yet, but it's starting to grow. Um, How how did you how did you get involved in in you know wanting to be a mental performance coach? Where did this like uh, where did this like love for for helping people in this way come? Yeah, that's a that's a great point because it is a very new field. It is a very quickly growing field. Um, it is like kind of like this new excitement right now because people are like, whoa, that's a thing. Like myself mm-hmm. included, when I found out that this was a thing, I was like, there's no way that's a job. And there's like days where like I'm on the field and I'm like, I can't believe this is my job. Like, this is crazy. Um, But for me, like I always, being an athlete, I always knew that I wanted to work in sports. Um, I knew that my call wasn't like an office job. Like I just, I wanted to always be on the field and Mm -hmm. that's what I pursued. And so I thought that the only way I could do that was if either I was a coach or an athletic trainer. And so I kind of started, I went to college and I started, took that route. I was like, all right, I'm going to be a trainer. I'm going to be on the field all the time, blah, blah, blah. And so as I went on through that, that phase of my life, I remember like always being really interested in like how the player was doing, the injured player in front of me, how he was doing. Was he eating? Um, was he like, I don't know, was he motivated? Did he feel like doing like other things outside of his rehab, like things like that? And um, I quickly like realized, I was like, okay, maybe like, there's something in the psychology world for me because I love athletic training. I love being in the field, but I'm just so interested in their mindset. I'm so interested on like how they're mentally healing from this, right. Rather than physically. Right. And so I took like a psych one-on-one class, like those intro to psych classes mm-hmm. that you took as like a freshman in college. And I like was so interested in it. I was like, wow, I love this. As part of an assignment, I had to like do a presentation on like whatever I wanted as long as it pertained to psychology. So I was like doing research and I like read something called sports psychology. And I'm like, what the heck is sports psychology? I need to know what this is right now. Um, I did a whole presentation on it and I quickly was like, this is it. Like mm-hmm. this is what I want to do. Like I literally get to be on the field. I'll get to work with athletes, with performers, with exercisers, with whoever, but then also like get to help them in in a, in a different way, like right. in a mental way versus a physical way and so I remember I called my mom I was like mom I'm switching majors and she thought I was insane he was like a psychology like what are you gonna do with a psychology I was like trust me it's a thing um I actually like was like okay if I'm gonna do this I need to like make sure I get experience and like actually really like know what I'm getting myself into Mm -hmm. so I looked up internships the only internship available for sports psychology was at the military academy for Mm -hmm. the United States um, Army so I was like, let me just apply. Let me see what happens. I applied to the United States Military Academy at West Point, New York. I got the internship. I got to work with like soldiers, with cadets, with athletes, with whoever, you name it, um, for a whole semester. And that's when I fell in love with the field. I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So 
I quickly realized that I could either go the military route, I could go sports route, I could go whatever route I wanted with mm-hmm. this degree. And yeah, that was a that that was just the start, and then the rest <laughs> was history. So um, when when you were growing up, what what sports did you end up playing? I was actually a gymnast. Um, I loved gymnastics. I actually had a lot of injuries though, so. I unfortunately had to hang it up um, at about 16 after my fourth ankle surgery. So talk about the mental game. There was a yeah. lot of mental adversity that I had to deal with. Um, and then at that point, I actually like my high school cheerleading coach came up to me because she had known that I was a tumbler. And she was like, hey, like, I know you've never held a pom-pom in your life, but we could really use more tumblers. If you want to come onto the team, like and just tumble and we'll teach you the rest and go for it. I was like, OK, whatever. Sure, let's try it. And then I did that in high school, and then I was actually able to get a scholar, a full ride scholarship for cheerleading, um, just for my tumbling alone. So I was <laughs> able to take it on to cheerleading. Um, and then on, during while well, cheer season wasn't in town, I was also a track runner. Oh, okay. Yeah. Trying to. Yeah, and, staying all over the place, huh? I just like to be yeah active. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what? If you do you remember like if there were any of like huge or either like road bumps or like obstacles that kind of made you not nervous but I guess kind of hesitant about going the direction you were going to once you did find out about you know wanting to be a mental performance coach yeah um I think going back to the point that you made earlier like this is a new field Mm -hmm. and not a lot of people know about it right and so even to this day, like I've been a professional in professional baseball for three seasons now, and I still get asked, like, what do you do? Or I guess the most common question is, well, I can motivate my players myself, or I I'm, I can be my own mental performance coach for my players. Mm-hmm. And a lot of coaches can, absolutely. But there are things that you I learned in my training that no one else like would know unless right. you, you learned it, you studied it, you did your due diligence and did your research, right? Um, and so there's a lot of that, of like just the unknown of what I even do is the biggest obstacle, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also just like constantly having to explain what I do, how I can help. And um, the thing about the mind is that there's not like you can't see changes in your mind. Yeah. right? Like, you you know, a player is doing well when his batting average goes up or when mm-hmm. his striking average striking out average goes down or whatever. But, like, with the mindset, like, there's no, like, hard numbers on, like, is this really helping? Is this not? Right. And so that's always a constant uphill battle of, like, quantifying our effectiveness, I mm-hmm. guess. Yeah. It, it It's hard to, to understand. Like, an athlete, like you said, you know, their batting average, most of the time, you know, if they're not batting good, the coach will more than likely just make them just go into the batting cage and just spend hours there or something. But, yeah. you know, coaches don't think about, you know, you know maybe you're not batting – you're not batting well because you know there's something going on that you need to talk about exactly. or something like that. Yeah. And it, yeah, because exactly, you, yeah. those are all the physical like that you can see, right? Exactly. And as humans, we like put more more stock in like the things that we see, like the whole like action speak louder than words saying like we're just in our history. We like we believe what we can see, and mm-hmm. um, I think like with I think with mental health or with just really mental performance in general, like it's like that like silent disease where you don't really know that what someone's really struggling with because you can't see it um and professional players like or just professionals in general like if this is what you're getting paid to do then you're probably really good at like masking like what like what's not going well I guess Mm -hmm. you know because this is your job literally yeah 
Did did you have like any experience with like baseball before you started before like when you applied to the the job for the Tampa Bay Rays? Yeah. So obviously while I was at at West Point, I worked with their baseball team there mm-hmm. on top of many other sports. Um, during my master's program, I actually worked with college baseball and a little bit of high school baseball. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of like individual one-on-ones um, as well outside of that, like with baseball players, a lot, a lot of youth athletes. And so the reason I chose baseball is I think I knew that baseball and the military were like the two biggest sports where like I would be used the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those two fields at the moment, back when, when I was applying to master's and stuff, were the two most more advanced route, like, I guess, environments as mm-hmm. far as mental performance, because baseball is a mental game. Any right. player you talk to will tell you, like, it is the biggest mental game that they've, that they've ever experienced. Um, on top of that, like, being Latina was huge because I am bilingual, so... I can't a lot of there's a lot of Latinos in baseball and so yeah. I can communicate very well with them as well and so um it kind of just like felt right you know like it, all, everything was adding up it, the whole other pieces of the recipe were there and so I saw that the Rays had an opening I loved the organization forever and so I applied and then yeah the rest is history <laughs> that's super amazing though that really mm-hmm. is cool um what did you like okay so you you were talking about earlier um, when you said you were a gymnast. You said you went through four different surgeries. Um, yeah. I mean, let let's talk about like the the mental the mental you know um, like effect that that had on you know yeah. not just limiting you being able to perform and having to deal with that and stay in your yeah. game when you're coming back, but having to go through it over and over again and eventually having to you know just basically you know hang hang up the boots from that yeah I think the hardest thing about injury in sport is that like isolate isolation piece right Right. because like as athletes like no matter what sport you're in even like gymnastics like it's a very individualized team sport right Mm -hmm. so it's very like I think baseball is as well but regardless of that like you still like as an athlete you love that team dynamic of it like you love that like knowing that you're part of a team, you're part of a title, you're part of something, you're working towards something together. And like that teamwork piece, like is the first one that you feel like gets taken away. Right. Right. I think the second hardest thing was like not having much, like, I guess, structure anymore. Like before it was, you wake up, you go to, you know, you go to weights at five in the morning, then from weights, you go to breakfast, then you go to class, then you go to practice and you have this and you have a competition. Your whole day is basically like set out for you. Mm -hmm. Now you're injured and you can't do any of those things. And so you like literally physically cannot like let out that stress or like let out, like, you know, have that physical distraction. And so now that's on you to rewire your entire schedule and your entire routine. Um, So I think like for me personally, those two things hit me the hardest is that obviously not physically being able to do what I love, but just not feeling like I was part of a team anymore mm-hmm. or, and not having like a schedule or a structure in my days anymore. Right. Um, what, what were some of the things that kind of helped you get, get through those moments? Cause I mean, you didn't just go through it once. You went through it yeah, four, four times. times. So yeah. it must've been, you know, even worse, you know, the oh. next, the next time around. 
Yeah, absolutely. It, like it was it, yes and no. Like I kind of already knew what to expect at, the, at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just like, oh, come on. Like, are you serious again? I'm made of glass. It's, we always like joke about that. Like, let's just wrap me up in bubble wrap. <laughs> um, but it just, for me, like I am very like just completely vulnerability. Like I am really good at masking like things. I'm a, such a like people person that I like mm-hmm. to be there for everybody else. Um, but I don't really like let people in as well as I should. So I was really good at telling everybody I'm okay. I'm okay. But like, I would just really miss like being in with my team or I would really miss like having to go to practice and things like that. I just wouldn't tell people that. Mm -hmm. And so once I learned, like the only way I could like heal physically, I mean, mentally from this is if I start talking to people about it that's when like it was really hard for me to take that step but once I did like that's where it really like start the journey started for me um because then I did have like teammates like hey how are you doing today hey like let's go to Starbucks or like just little like little tiny simple things like right. that and you feel like okay like I do have a support system I mm-hmm. do have people that I can go to um so that's the number one it's just allowing your support system to support you yeah. um in a way and then as for the other stuff like I think routines is essential because back to that, the second point I had made, like, I felt like I didn't have a routine anymore. And so I had to like sit down with like my planner and be like, okay, from this time to this time, I'm going to do this from this time to this time, I'm going to make myself breakfast and just kind of like map out my day. Mm -hmm. That was huge for me because I kind of was giving, giving myself that structure back. Right. And then, um, yeah, those two things were huge. And then the other ones is just like, you know, like, um, journaling journaling and reflecting and just being okay with being alone with my thoughts and like writing it down on paper and checking in with myself like how am I doing today or what am I grateful for today or Mm. how can I be a better person today just like reflecting and just going like accepting this journey and trying to get better from it yeah Um, making 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 sure that you know all everything that's going on inside of you isn't staying inside of you and you have some way of channeling it out Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But that all of that needs to be learned. Like mm-hmm. yeah, I was nowhere perfect in that process <laughs> at all. And it took me a long time. And it's not until now that like I literally studied this and this is the degree I got that like I fully understand what I went through. Mm-hmm. But like when you're in the midst of it, you are so confused and you're right. like you're like, what the heck? How do I get like you're kind of scavenging at scavenging? I don't know if that's the word. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're like kind of searching for answers and um yeah, yeah, that's like also you, yeah. yeah, it feels like you're in a hole, right? And like you just don't yeah. know how to like dig yourself out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Now, when when you're when you're doing, you know, when you're doing your mental performance coaching, um, with with the players and everything, what from you know the three years that you've that you've been with the organization, what's some of the like the biggest, um, like struggles that you've noticed that athletes deal with, or even like when you know when your internship or like with the like when you were in college helping the teams out what are some of the biggest things that you think athletes like struggle with nowadays when it comes to you know their their mental health I think um as far as uh, mental performance goes like the ongoing theme really no matter what level no matter what sport like I do a lot of non-sport related I have a lot of non-sport related clients as well Mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing is like understanding that you have full control over your thoughts um I think sometimes like we tend to beat ourselves up because like we can be so negative in our minds and you, we like fail to realize that like we control, we control what we're saying to ourselves. And 
you know, like sometimes like something I always tell like my players or my clients is feelings aren't facts. You know, like you might, you're, you might be telling yourself, this is how I feel, whatever, but that doesn't mean that you have to um, accept that. That doesn't mean you have to like, let that control you and control your, your life, your thoughts, your well being. Like you don't, you have control over it. And so I think like that moment where like, there's always this moment where whoever I'm working with finally realizes like, wow, I can control what I think. And like, once like that clicks, like it's magical. It's like, okay, wait, now, instead of think like, if I think this, I can replace it with this thought. Or if this comes lingering in, maybe I can, you know, take a deep breath and release it by doing this. And so now you're like, kind of like on this journey of trying to find what works for you and what doesn't. Um, that's a whole other, like what works for player X is not going to be what works for player Y. And so there's a lot of self-discovery, self-awareness that comes with that journey as well. But I think like, if I were to generalize it, um, to answer your question, is just taking control over your thoughts and taking right. control over what comes into your head and how to make that the most productive for you. Like, how are your thoughts going to help you out the most in your performance? Right. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, lot, it's a lot of stuff that you don't, you don't really, like, think about um, mm-hmm. until you're actually, you know, in that moment and you have to really yeah. process all of that stuff. Yeah, or even after, like, there's players, like, that have – there's coaches that are staff members that are like, dang, like if I knew this stuff, I'd probably still be in the big leagues. Like <laughs> if I knew that I wouldn't have retired as early as I did. Right. Cause it's like, sometimes we, unfortunately, like we do realize it like way after the fact, oh, yeah. like how harmful, like having like a weak mindset can be to your performance. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's one of the reasons why I'm, I mean, a lot of us as, as athletes are super surprised when we learn about, you know, like mental, mental performance. And we think of it, you know, like where was this stuff, you know, when we yeah. were going through this, you know, this yes. is something that uh, yeah. we could have used back then in the day, you know, exactly. literally every staff member I know that like, hears me talk or hears me do a session or a meeting. They're always like, man, like, I wish I knew that, like, <laughs> man, that makes so much sense. And it's, you know, but the good news is like, it is here and it is here to stay. Yeah. And so hopefully, um, we're put in a spot where we can help a lot of players, a lot of athletes, just a lot of professionals and in, in whatever you do, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, another thing that I did want to ask you is because it, it's becoming it's becoming more more common nowadays, which is I, I think it's, it's a really great thing that it really is. But um, did you ever have like any. I don't know, like any struggles or I don't even know if I would call them like backlashes or anything about, you know, um, being, you know, just being a female going into like a male dominated, like not, I wouldn't say field, like an area, I guess, because, you know, yeah. you're going to the Tampa Rays, it's, you know, a male professional sport, um, but you're, yeah. you're, you know, you're there. Is, were there any, like any type of like intimidations or anything or anything um, like that? Yeah, I think like, if there's any ladies listening, like that want to get into sports, like I'm going to let you know right now, it's not going to be easy. And, um, a lot of it, like there, there's going to be a lot of times where you might feel like, do I really belong in this room? Like, and the way, like, I guess I would explain it is like, there'll be times where I'm on that field and there's about 120 men on that field. And I am the only woman in there. Um, like it's, it's empowering, but at the same time, it's like, well, like, it can be kind of scary, I feel like. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And um, what really, really helps is having like a group of men, like we, I like to call them like allies who really support you mm-hmm. and who are really there for you. So 
when I was hired with the Rays, for example, one of um, one of the things that one of the like, realms that I was going to take over was our Dominican Republic Academy. So we have an academy where all our, Domin- our all our Latino players who just signed internationally train at. Mm-hmm. And so there has never been a woman that's worked in the academy before. And so little simple things like I'm not going to have a bathroom. Um, I'm not going to have a place to shower or a place to put my things in because, you know, all the guys have their locker room. Right. Like little things like that. Like as soon as I was hired, I remember like getting a call and being like, we're building you a bathroom <laughs> and we're building you a locker room. And so it's just like little things like that that might seem so minor to like a group of men like to us it means the world like it's like wow I'm seeing like you care about my comfort um Mm -hmm. you know being out on the field working with men can get extremely like frustrating sometimes and um intimidating as it is but knowing that you have somewhere to go and shower at the end of the day it just that is so so important and so like empowering um but as far as like struggles, like, yeah, you do, you deal with a lot of backlash. Um, you, there, there might be moments where you do have to like stand your ground and have your voice be heard. Um, there's been times in my career, not with the race, just outside of it, but mm-hmm. there's been times in my career where I have had to like prove myself more than my male counterpart would. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one day I was going into work with a baseball team for the first time and it was me and an, um, a male coworker. And when we went in to meet the coach for the first time, the first the first question the coach asked me was, "Do you even know anything about baseball?" And the first question he asked my male coworker was, "Oh, like, what's your favorite basketball team? Or like, what's your favorite baseball?" It was something sports related. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, "Okay, this is going to be a long journey." Yeah. But, um, but it's okay. I I love it. Like, I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't love it. Right. And yeah, it's you know, if you're a woman listening to this, like, just I always tell myself, like, excuse me, but like, I'm a bad ass. Like, you can do this. You go out there. You take up your space. You do what you do. At the end of the day, like, you're here to help athletes. That's my right. only goal. I'm there to help a player get better today. That's it. There's no hidden agenda. There's no anything. Right. So anything that I can do to, towards that goal, I will do it. Yeah. And that's what it matters to me. I feel like you almost kind of need that mentality because, I mean, un- unfortunately, it's sad to say, but there's still a lot of, you know, people in, in high in high spots and high positions that <clears throat> kind of still have that, like, that old school mentality where it's like, you know, this is a men's sport. It needs to be a men's sport. And we need to be coached mm-hmm. by men because, you know, and so it, it's, it's, it, it's a challenge to kind of really um, try and change that st- status quo, at least just in their minds, because there's so many of them that still have yeah. that mentality. Like you said, like, they ask you, like, you know, do you even know anything about baseball? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Like yeah. You, you need and that you need that mentality that you know, like you said, that, that badass mm-hmm. mentality to go in there and really stand your ground. Exactly. Yeah. I think one of the best things I've heard is um somebody told me it's like be okay with taking up space. Like take up space, it's okay, and like be heard and give your opinion. Like there's times where I'm in meetings and I'm like again, the only woman in a pool of maybe 60 men. And I will, I will raise my hand and I will give my opinion. And yeah. yes, I will. I just have to ignore the look sometimes, but it's okay. Like it's, I see it. Like my perspective is that it's empowering and I'm mm-hmm. doing this for many women in sports to come behind, after me. Right. Um, and I think the other like aspect of it also is like being a woman, like you can, I don't know. I think we have like this motherly, whether we want to or not, we have this motherly, like nurturing, like image. And sometimes a player will need that. Right. Um I'm thinking about like a player who hasn't seen his mom in eight months and he's only 17 years old. 
you know, but he's been training for so long. Like sometimes like they want to listen to a woman's perspective. Yeah. Sometimes like they do feel more comfortable opening up to a woman. And I think in that aspect, like it's really helped me do my job mm-hmm. so much better. And like, I feel like sometimes like a player or even a staff member will tell me things because I am a woman and because I have that, I don't know, just that, that nurturing aspect to me, right. um, you know, and, and that, and I think that's, that's awesome. Like, I think that's awesome that we're providing that resource for a player to speak to a woman instead of, you know, their male hitting coach, for example. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you talk about a lot of things that, you know, that men think that, you know, women wouldn't be able to do in like those types of fields, but you know, there's, hundreds and hundreds of things that like you just said like men probably wouldn't be able to build that same connection as as maybe a woman would you know like that motherly connection and stuff like that where Mm -hmm. you guys really just become a more a vital a vital spot in that in that area to really help you know that athlete make that better performance through through their you know mentality so um do do you like do you see yourself as a kind of like a, a leading role in kind of being that inspiring like role model for for younger women I try I am I definitely try I know that like it it was really hard for me because okay so I was the first person in my family to even graduate from college Mm -hmm. much less a master's degree um my family was not born in the United States I wasn't born in the United States and so there's a lot of like first that I had to go through Um, So I was the first to graduate college. I was the first to get my master's. I was the first to work in a professional sport setting. Like, so throughout that process, like I was figuring it out on my own, you know, Mm -hmm. like I like, I didn't even know what applying to college was like, like, I didn't know what that process was like, because my parents never did it, Mm -hmm. much less in the United States. And so there was like a lot of like, I was like, I felt really lost at, at a lot of times. Um, but like just being in the position that I'm in now, like not only am I a woman, not only am I a Latina woman, not only am I the first in my family from another country, not only the first in my family to even have degrees, but like I am also working with a world-class professional baseball organization. Like our organization is, I'm obviously I'm biased, but it, we are world-class. And um, I now being in the position that I'm in, I can look back and like try to help people who are, in my, who are currently in my same position that I was in a couple of years ago. Right. And I want to be that for them. Like, that's why anytime a student reaches out to me, like, hey, Carla, I have questions. And I will always say yes. I, cause I remember being a student in their shoes with a million questions and not having anybody to talk mm-hmm. to about it. Um, as far as women go, like women will, like younger women will call me and be like, you know, can I wear shorts on the field or can I, you know, wear my hair up or can I wear my hair down? Like little things like that. Like there's no textbook for this kind of stuff. You kind of just want to experience. If I can be that comfort and I can be that advice for somebody else, like it's a huge honor for Mm me. Um, If I can be like a living testament that like, no matter where you're from, no matter what your background is, like you can chase your dreams and you could do whatever you want and really excel and be in the highest possible position that you could possibly be in. Like I I would love to, I, I am a living, breathing example of yeah. that. That's um, amazing. Yeah. So it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, did, did you spend, um, your, like, did you grow up in the Miami area or did you grow up like anywhere else? Yeah, no, I moved to Miami when I was 10. Mm-hmm. So I lived in Miami pretty much my whole life. I went to school up in New York for my bachelor's mm-hmm. and then I came back to Miami for my master's. So oh, okay, okay. Miami's hometown, Miami, <laughs> people. There's a big, a big difference in like the Miami and then like the New York, you know, like culture and the style yeah. and all of that stuff. Really? Right. 
It is. It's so different yet like so the same in some aspects. Right. It's just like it's just like this melting pot of like so many different cultures yeah. that it's just so beautiful. Um I yeah, I love it. And I think that's why I love baseball too, because like I'll have a Korean pitcher and a Dominican hitter and a Venezuelan outfielder. And it's, and then you see those three like cultures trying to communicate with one another. Yeah. And it's so, it's so beautiful. It's, it's so awesome. It's, am, it's amazing how sports just brings us, brings everything and everyone yeah. together. It really is. Yeah. It's that's, exactly. you know, those are the things that they say it's, it's bigger than sports, you know, it is. It really it is. is. Um, it's, it's beautiful for sure. <laughs> so I think one of the last couple of things that I, that I kind of want to go over is, um, I mean, so someone trying to get into your field, cause what, what we want to do is obviously, you know, we're, we're big on starting this conversation for mental health, starting this conversation for being normalizing, talking about your feelings and being able to mm-hmm. talk about someone and kind of channeling that into your everyday life, whether you're an athlete or whether you're not an athlete, um, just kind of making sure that you can use that as your strength to kind of help you achieve you know, your daily goals, your weekly goals, your, your, you know, your life goals in general. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone who kind of has an interest or doesn't even know that they have an interest in like mental performance or anything like that. How does someone kind of start that process about what they want to do and how they want to get involved with that? What are some tips that you have for someone like that? Yeah. Um, I, one of the things that I always tell students or like young professionals in the field is do your research. Um, the beauty about mental performance is that you can literally do anything with it because humans are performers. Like mm-hmm. humans, we perform every day. Like there's things that we need to do that takes a great deal of like mental performance, mental strength, mental, like getting out of bed in its own after like a long, long week. Like that's a mental skill right there. Like, um, so like I've worked with, for example, I've worked with barbers. I don't know anything about cutting hair, but I do know a lot about working under pressure and being nervous and not like just doing something that takes like such a precise level of skill and having to like calm yourself or calm. I You can literally work with anybody and anyone. So do your research, find what you love. Like I do mental performance for cheerleaders, obviously, because I had a background in that. I know a lot of people who like to do mental performance for dancers. And it's kind of like, if you find what you love, if you find what you truly, truly love, like you can make space for, for your role within that environment or yeah, within that environment. Mm -hmm. And so first things first, like just really like make sure you're like researching and and doing something that you truly love, because the reason that's important is because this is a hard job. This is not a nine to nine to five. This is a, like you're in the trenches, you have long days, you have long nights, you have long conversations, like you have to truly, truly, truly love where you're at and what you're doing to excel in it. So research, make sure it's something you love. And then the third step would be just get out there and ask questions, network. Like I love, I love when students reach out to me with a list of questions and I love answering them. Um, You know, like just, just put your name out there. Like, don't, don't be afraid. Like, do not be afraid to talk to people, you know, and you have to be okay with knowing that some people might not respond to you. And that's okay. Like that happened to me. I remember how so many people that I emailed that didn't even give me the time of day. And then fast forward two seasons later, and all of a sudden they're sending me friend requests and want to connect with me, you know, like that's just part of it. And you have right. to be like really secure and like really like mentally tough to just keep going and um, yeah, just keep pushing. Um, so looking back, um, 
to like, you know, say maybe like 10 years, maybe like 15 years or no, maybe not 15 years, but we'll, we'll say around like 10 ish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what's like a, like a piece of knowledge that, you know, if you could go back and tell your younger self to kind of mm-hmm. make this whole journey easier for you, is, do you have like any, any like words that you think you would, you kind yeah. of just drop on them? That's such a great question. Um, I guess like the biggest thing and I'm just looking back at like my life and like how like challenging it's been. It's like, mm-hmm. it doesn't, I always say this, like it doesn't rain forever, right? Like the sun has to come out eventually. Right. And so I remember like, I remember being like a senior in college and getting denied by so many master programs. And I would be in bed all day and like think my world was over. I'm like, that's it. My career is done. My world is over. Like I'm never going to meet my goals. And I got something I learned through the process is that like rejection is protection. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can't see it in the moment, but like if you're getting rejected in something, maybe you're just being protected from that one thing. Yeah. Like maybe you weren't meant for that. Like that's not, that's not where you're meant to go. So you have to just, even though you don't understand is keep your head up and keep going and keep working towards it and keep trying. Yep. Just find um, a new door. Exactly. Just yeah. find your door and keep knocking. Like, just because something doesn't work your way, like just keep knocking, keep going. Like the, the the beauty of baseball is that like, there's always going to be a next, right? Like there's always, you strike out your first at bat, you have like four more at bats to go. Right. You strike out in all those at bats. Well, guess what? You still have to go play on defense. Uh, you get on base, like you're on first base. You want to steal second now. You steal second, now you want to steal third. And mm-hmm. you're on third, you want to score the run and get home. Like there's always an opportunity for a next. And I think that same concept applies to life. Like there's always going to be a next. Like you just have to keep going. Like you're not going to just pack up your bags and give up. Like you're, you have to keep going. That's the only choice you have. Yeah. So I really wish I like reminded or had somebody that reminded myself like, Hey, it's not going to rain forever. Rejection is protection. Like, just keep knocking, keep going. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Just keep keep, uh, keep going on. I think I always like to, in my head, I always like to quote, um, why, am I, why am I spacing on this now? But uh, okay. what's his name? The, the character that David Spacey played. Um, yeah. He's like, keep, keep, uh, keep on keeping on. I keep on. Said. Yes, that's um, a good Joe one. Dirt, I think, is what it is. So, yes, like, yes, keep yes, on yes, keeping yes. on. Exactly. And as cliche as it sounds, yeah. like, that's the only choice you have, honestly. Right. Like, life goes on. So, like, I remember, like, sometimes I have so many players that are like, my world is over. I just struck out four times and I hate and I miss my mom and all this. And I'm like, sometimes, like, I'm very real. Like, I'll get straight up with you. I'll be like, all right. You want to go to the manager's office and tell them that you're done with your career? Because I'll go with you. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. Like, okay. Well, then what are you gonna do? Let's show up tomorrow. I'm like, show up tomorrow. Let's just keep going. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, leave that in the past. Turn the page. Tomorrow's a new day, yeah. and let's just keep trying. Definitely. I mean, it's a, it's it's hard. It will. You you can run yourself into some big trouble if you don't look at stuff that way too. You can just get left behind. Yeah. So and myself included, like. I'm a mental performance coach and there are days where I think like my life is old, like my day is over. Like everything is like, everything's catastrophized, I guess in a way. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like, it happens to all of us. Like I literally have a master's degree in teaching people how to not feel that way. 
but it still happens to me right yeah. and so like just being being be forgiving of right. yourself and like I guess the key is, is as soon as you catch yourself in that mindset or in that you know mentality it's like all right what are we going to do about it mm-hmm. like let's focus on the solution not the problem like let's how am I going to get out of this one and then that's where that I think that's where the difference is between someone who's really mentally strong and someone who still needs to work on their mental game yeah it, it, it's part of the everyday experience you know it's like some mm-hmm. some days it's easier than other days you know some days it, it just really takes a lot to get you down. And then some days it can just be, you know, like, yes. I don't know, like the traffic on the way to work is yeah. just really just going to ruin it all for you. But. Yeah. And that, that can be enough. Like yeah, stubbing, exactly. your, yeah. Like stubbing your toe. Like that can be enough. To ruin it. I mean, that's <laughs> like, but still, you know, like it, it's just, um, it's, I think it's part of being mentally tough. It's like yeah. something I would say, it's like being positive doesn't mean having to be happy 24 seven. Mm-hmm. It being positive is knowing that even on those hard days, you know, that better days are ahead. Right. Like even when today sucks, like, you know, that it's not going to be like this and that's being positive, not just slapping a smile on your face and be like, Oh, we're all good. Cause that's easy to do. Right. Exactly. And that, that it's, it's important to know that difference between just, you know, no, it's okay. It's going to be all right. And then, yeah. you know, instead of just, you know, shoving it down and just not yeah. talking about it in general. Exactly. Just accept that you're in adversity and just figure out how we're going to move on from this. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Okay. Well, I think, I think we're pretty, we're pretty short on time now. Yeah. Um, It's it's been great having you on the show. Um, I'm so thankful that you were able to hop on with us and, and, and get in here and drop us really get us this introduction on this mental performance thing. Cause I think it's huge and I think it's amazing what, what you're doing um, and the lead that you're taking for this and you're, um, your willingness to really just help out everyone else that wants to, you know, that has questions, that has mm-hmm. all this info that they want to learn and stuff. So I think it's great what you're doing. Yes. Um, yeah. And if anybody listening has questions, please reach out to me. Um, I think Instagram is the best way. So find me on Instagram. Carla Sophia Hodel is my name. Um, and yeah, just reach out, just DM me, like email me, text me, whatever. I love dropping knowledge. It's what I do. So um, yeah. That's, that's amazing. You beat me to it. I was literally just going to tell you like, yo, oh, drop, drop, okay. drop all this stuff. So that's great. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think you could follow me on Carlos. I don't even know my Instagram. Name. Carla Sophie. I think it is. Yes. Carla with a C and then Sophie with two I's. S-O-F-I-I. Oh, if you guys heard that, make sure you guys give her a follow. Um, please feel free to interact with her. She's always down to answer those questions. So um, <laughs> Carla, thank you once again um we that's that's all the time that i have for you guys um i hope this was super uh a super great episode for you guys this was amazing for me just to even get to talk to you so um thank you once again likewise it's been awesome thank you (laughs) thank you so much um you guys until the next time we will talk to you later i am angel clemente and this was your mind power podcast thank you guys have a great